And uh, welcome to this episode of G220 Radio. My name is Mike, and thanks for joining me today. Ricky is enjoying some family time, and so we pray for him to enjoy the time. But that means I get to host the show and hopefully bring some excitement, some joy, and to think about something a little bit better, a little bit clearer, and a little bit deeper. And so this is episode number 551. We're going to be talking about theology as a, as a science and discipline, kind of understanding, I kind of taglined it, what is theology. And to think, hopefully, the goal of the podcast is to have a better understanding of theology as a science, as a discipline, and then how that should play out as Christians in our own walk, in our own study, and how we think about these things. And why I wanted to talk about this, just to kind of give unfortunately, probably a long-winded introduction about all of this, was I was listening to a podcast uh, a month or so ago, and it's Theology in Particular, which is produced by International Reformed Baptist Seminary, IRBS, out of Texas, and they had James Dolenzol on the show to talk about philosophical theology and metaphysics in kind of two-part, a two-part, two-kind-of-episode series. And he was kind of describing what is philosophy and this love of wisdom and the questions of asking why, and then also kind of what is theology and kind of thinking through that and then combining philosophical theology. And we've done some reading. We did a podcast on the connection between exegesis or exegetical theology, biblical theology, and systematic theology. And in that, I relied heavily on B.B. Warfield and kind of thinking through these issues. But before B.B. Warfield gets to those issues, he has a discussion on theology and the science of theology. And then I remember thinking about it, and I was like, oh, that's it's interesting to, to think about, especially when you start saying that science or theology is the queen of all the sciences. So there's this kind of progression up from natural sciences, like um, you can even do like psychology, chemistry, physics, mathematics is kind of nowadays thought about as the queen of the sciences because everything is kind of based off of math- mathematics. But what James Dolan's all was starting to argue for, and this is what B.B. Warfield and others have, was that when you start asking questions in mathematics about why, you start asking philosophical questions. So now mathematics is subjected to philosophy, what we think about and the wisdom that comes with it, especially when we start talking about epistemology or truth and the meaning of things. And then he went further on to talk, kind of to go on, is that the end of philosophy leads us to theology. And he defines theology in relation to knowing God and his creatures through what he's revealed. 
And so when this opportunity, no, this was coming up, I was like, you know what, this would be a good idea. And then just this week, IRBS released another theology in particular, like they do every Monday now, with James Renaham talking about the Ligonier state of theology. They've released the results and they were kind of talking about what they've noticed, especially when you only focus on the evangelical response. So using kind of Lifeway and Ligonier's definition of evangelicalism, they were looking at their responses and they were noticing that majority of the people would believe God is triune. God is Trinity. He is one per one being in three persons, but then turn around and would agree that God, that Jesus was not divine, just a good teacher or that the spirit is a force, which are kind of modern day heresies as seen in Jehovah witnesses. And that is completely false and wrong. And you kind of see this idea of that evangelicals have a good grasp of really high basic level of theology, but even a step below that, they quickly deny what they say they believe above them. And that they're saying the spirit is not divine. He's just a personal force. He's not a person as the Trinity would say he is. And so this really reinforces, I think, us to better understand what theology is as a science, as a discipline, not like a, a discipline and um, kind of something you do, you know, you run every day, you read your Bible every day, that type of discipline, but like an academic pursuit discipline. So science and discipline kind of work together and that we could say that chemistry is a science and a discipline. It's a set of theological or academic studies. And I think there's, there's importance in how we phrase this. And to start to think about this, I want to really go into, we could kind of probably start it in a couple different ways. Let's just start it with, what is science? Let's understand the basics of a science. Here, again, drawing on B.B. Warfield, he says this in his article. Let me make sure I quote it properly. Um, the idea of systematic theology. So it's an article he wrote. It's in his 10-volume set. That's um, If you want to go read it, it might be other places online. But this is what B.B. Warfield says about science specifically. For the very existence of any science, three things are presupposed. The reality of its subject matter, the capacity of the human mind to apprehend, receive into itself, and rationalize this subject matter, some medium of communication by which the subject matter is brought before the mind and presented to it for apprehension. So when we think about kind of that broad definition, let's take a different science. Let's move away from theology and let's just take chemistry. So the reality of chemistry that has to be there. So that means that there are chemicals and there are reactions. There are atoms. 
and that they're doing something. The capacity of the human man to apprehend or to receive unto himself and rationalize the subject matter. That means that we're, we should be able to investigate and to see. And as we've gained in technology, we are now able to see subatomically, to see how atoms are moving and reacting. And to think about those things. So we we can see and we can apprehend and we can try to seek to understand. This can even be the idea of dihydrogen monoxide, or which is the fancy word for water, and how that mo molecule breaks out as H2O, of having two hydrogen molecules attached in a single bond to an oxygen molecule. And so when we think about chemistry we can there is a reality in which we can know about it we can comprehend and see what's going on and that's also the means by the means of communication by which we can understand it we can see these reactions happen we can be able to in some sense mathematically show how these things happen when I was in college studying engineering, I had to take an engineering class or a chemistry class for engineers, which was more heavily based on the mathematics side of chemistry. We learned about all of the other, the bonds and hydrocarbons and all these other things like other chemists, the other people taking chemistry. But there was a more focus on the mathematical aspect, using calculus and to think about these things in kind of a different light. So that is science. And when we understand science as something that is real, that we can know, and we can communicate, the question is, is theology this? Bob Inc. adds to this, and he says, but science aims at truth. So there's a sense in which when we study science, we are studying and going towards truth. We're trying to find what is reality? B.B. Warfield talks about this as in there's like one geology truth. There may be competing geology views, but there's one geology truth. And what he's reality and what he's saying is that there is one theological truth. Now, I might say, as a Reformed Baptist, that that one truth of theology is Reformed Baptist theology. But sadly, I would be mistaken because that's not exactly, though I think it is true and has the most, I think, the best evidence of the Bible. It is one of many competing theories in theology, Presbyterianism, Pentecostalism, and others compete against as we try to find this one truth. So Bob Inc. in that talks about if dogmatics aims to be a real science, it cannot contend with a description of what it is, but must demonstrate that it is considered truth. It must be set forth, not the that, but the wherefore, not reality, but truth, not the real, but the ideal, the logical, the necessary. So if we're going to say theology is a science, we must show that it is a science. So B.B. Warfield, after laying out 
what is the very existence of science turns around and says this about theology. He goes, theology presupposes the reality of re the objective reality of a subject matter with which it deals. That is to say, the, affirma the affirmation that theology is a science presupposes that affirmation that God is and that he has relations to his creatures. Two, the affirmation that theology is a science presupposes the affirmation that man has a religious nature, that is, a nature capable of understanding not only that God is, but also, to some extent, what he is. Not only that he stands in relation with his creature, creatures, but also what those relations are. And third, the affirmation that theology is a science presupposes the affirmation that there are media of communications by which God and divine things are brought before the minds of men that they may perceive them and in perceiving, understanding them. So when we talk about theology as a science, we affirm that there is a God, that this God can be known, and that he has spoken. He has given us the ability to understand him. And to, to think about it, how was bringing in early, the Baptist catechism starts off with is who's the first and chiefest being. God is the first and chiefest being set question. Ought everyone to believe there is a God. Everyone ought to believe there is a God and it is their great sin and folly who do not. So, there is a God. We can know this God. We're to believe in this God. And how, how do we know there's a God? The light of nature and man and the works of God plainly declare there is a God, but his word and spirit only do it fully and effectually for the salvation of sinners. So when we think about theology as a science, as a discipline, we see it in light of who God is, that he can be known, we can perceive him, and that he's given us his word, the medium by which we can know him. And if we, when we read the Bible, we see this kind of bear out. Genesis 1-1 starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible presupposes that there is a God and that he has a relation with his creation. He creates it. We'll also learn he upholds it. So there is a reality. The Bible presupposes the reality of God. And, that, and then in the garden, when Adam is meeting with God and talking with God, there's a sense in which he can know God. He's interacting with God. God speaks to him. And so there's now a communication, and this communication would later be written in the Bible for all people to know that there's a God and that we can know this God. Romans 1 helps us that 
the things of God are plain. That the people who suppress the truth and righteousness know there is a God. And yet, when we think about the fact that in 1 Timothy 3, 16, 17, that the scriptures are God breath, breathe out, that we can now see and read that there is a God. So what is so what is theology? How do we now kind of define and think about theology in light of this understanding that it is a science, a, a body of understanding in which we go and get and to gather and to work and to understand. Again, Bavink helping us. Dogmatics is kind of the sure truth of theology. Dogmatics is the knowledge that God has revealed in his word to his church concerning himself and all creatures as they stand in relation to him. B.B. Warfield talks about theology in a similar vein. The place that theology as a scientific presentation of all the facts that are known concerning God and his relations claim for itself within the circle of sciences as an equally high one, which it with which it claims without among the theological disciplines. Um, Terry Johnson, a pastor in Savannah, Georgia, talks about, again, the idea of knowing God and bringing about not just intellectual knowledge, and we'll cover this in a little bit more, but even, so just like merely knowing, but having kind of a nearness in the knowing. And this kind of bears out even in Calvin. So Calvin, like many good books, have this great one line. One line that I think of is in John Piper's book on missions. He starts out in saying missions exist because God's glory doesn't. This kind of idea that not everyone or missions exists because we're um, – I'm messing up. Anyways, the idea is that the reason missions exist is because God's not glorified everywhere. God is not worshipped everywhere. God is not known everywhere. So that's the, the, the impetus to missions. So there's a knowledge of God. Calvin, in just the way Calvin writes, starts off his institutes with this line. Nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists in two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But while they're joined by many bonds, one proceeds and brings forth the other is not easy to discern. In the first place, no one can look upon himself without immediately turning his thoughts to the compilation of God in whom he lives and moves, or quite clearly the many gifts with which we are endowed are hardly of ourselves. Indeed, our very being is nothing but a subsistence 
of one God, then by these benefits shed like dew upon uh, from heaven upon us, we are led by the rivets of its springs itself. So when we think about the sciences and theology and kind of understanding what is theology, we, we come to this idea of knowledge and knowing. And Calvin reminds us there's only two ways. There's two kind of essentially two parts of wisdom. There is no, knowledge of God and who God is and the knowledge of man. And when we think, if we just focus on the knowledge of man, like many naturalistic and atheistic theologies do, we lose sight and we, we see ourselves, but we don't see ourselves clearly. It is only when we turn our gaze to heaven and we see and learn about God, do we really understand who we are. Calvin writes, as long as we do not look beyond the earth, being quite content with our own righteousness, wisdom, and virtue, we flatter ourselves most sweetly and fancy ourselves all but demigods. Suppose we but once begin to raise our thoughts to God and to ponder his nature and how completely perfect are his righteousness, righteousnesses, righteousnesses, yep, wisdom and power, the straight edge to which we must be shaped, then what masquerading earlier as righteousness was pleasing in us will soon glow filthy and its consummate wickedness. It is only when we direct our eyes towards God do we see how imperfect we are. We see this in society about kind of how humans is the, the kind of the pinnacle of of kind of creation in one sense and that we can do so in a way that we're better than maybe studies before we're more knowledgeable but i think what what calvin says here should help us as christians that we should direct our eyes someplace else. And so, got a comment about Dolenzal's philosophical theory. I have never taken his class. Um, I just heard the podcast. I went to Southern. We didn't, didn't have that option. So Jason wrote, I took Dolenzal's philosophical class at IRBS. Very simple. They're classical and their apologetic approach. There is a diff there is a lack of clarification between natural theology and national revolution. Revelation. We're not gonna quite get to there. I'm kind of in that aspect. That is something I'm watching and I need to think on myself. Probably do a show sometime on it and thinking through it. Um but I do so as we as we get into kind of now the theology, what is theology and moving through it, um, I do to kind of add the clarification that to do theology, and in one sense, 
even in natural theology, we start with the revelation that God has given to us, specifically his special revelation. So Jason, I'll come back to, um, I probably won't be able to discuss that just in my own lack of knowledge and understanding. Um, that is something that I've, I've been thinking about and looking at. So if theology is, is a science, let's try to seek to better understand it. So let's just look at the word theology to begin with the etymology of it. So it comes from two Greek words it comes from theos and logos. Theos is the Greek word for God. Logos is the word for word. When we kind of add it or wisdom to, when we add it to another word like theos, it kind of turns into like the words about God and theology or anthropology, the words about man, or in a way that we kind of look at it is at studies. But it is interesting to note that the word theology does not appear in the New Testament. It is not combined, which doesn't mean kind of that it's a bad word to use. It's a very fine word. And what we notice when we look at theology is that the ancient Greek philosophers would talk about theology kind of in relation to the Greek gods. It's not really mentioned in the New Testament, but very early on in the early church and seemingly without much controversy, the early church starts using the word theology and using it for the study of God and to kind of develop the body of knowledge that... We seek to understand how we seek to understand who God is. And so when we start kind of now moving, what is theology? That theology is about God. It's a knowledge of God. And B.B. Warfield expands that. It's just that theology is the science which deals with the facts concerning God and his relation with the universe. Such facts includes all the facts of nature and history, and it's a very function of several sciences to supply the scientific facts that is thoroughly comprehended form. And so to, to think about theology... And to think about it as a science is to think about that in our study of theology, we get to know who God is. And that and if science is the queen, if theology is the queen of the sciences, and which is the pinnacle of all answers, how we understand our theology plays a part that even Stephen verdict who would reject 
kind of teaching theology and actively tell people they want theology to go someplace else has a theology that he is presenting, that he is pushing for. And so theology is everywhere. Everyone has a theology, as R.C. Sproul would say in his introduction to systematic theology. He would say, everyone's a theologian. Even those who would reject, quote-unquote, theology for the Bible, that they have a theology that's with it. And so we need to kind of come to grips with this understanding of theology, that no matter what we say about theology, in the end, we have a theology. And the question is, does our theology match up to what the Bible says? Does it make sense of all the evidences that comes about? And this is kind of where in our previous show, and I should have looked up the number and I didn't, when we start talking about es um, exegesis or exegetical theology, biblical theology, systematic theology, that is the process in which we do theology. We start with the text, and we examine the text, and we study the text, and we seek to understand the text. And then we position that text within the contents of the book of a whole. So we're studying a passage in Matthew. We're just not looking at what Matthew says, but what has been said before that. When we had my pastor, Mitch Chase on, and we talked about Leviticus and the importance of Leviticus and even understanding some of the stuff that Jesus does, that Jesus can be touched by an unclean woman, a woman not fit for worship of God, and yet not be unclean himself. So, so exegesis leads us into a biblical theology of what kind of the Bible says of itself. And then we take that information and we arrange it into different loci in which we study theology. So you have theology proper and anthropology and sertiliology and hermenology and all these other ologies. And if you don't know those terms, theology proper is the study of God. Anthropology is the study of man. Hermetology is the study of sin. And then we can go on. Ecclesiology, study of church, eschatology, the study of the last things. There is a lot of ologies in which we seek to better understand. And at times they interconnect with each other. And to, to think about all these things. So to do theology, we routed, we're rooted in the word. And this is extremely important for kind of theology because all other sciences don't have kind of everything in front of them. God has revealed to himself in his word 
And he has given us his word so we can understand him. And not only that, he has given us the spirit to understand and to think about and meditate on these things. And so when we think about theology, when we consider what it is and how we do it, it is the science and the hard work of understanding God's word so that we can know who God is and his relations to us. And it is when we have our grip on theology, proper theology, right theology, that then impacts how we think about philosophy and chemistry and physics and sociology and all these other hard and soft sciences around us today. But to, to fully understand those, we have to have a grooted theology. And that it plays out in importance. Again, B.B. Warfield, the word, of, the word of God is to theology as, but, but vastly more than these instruments are to astrology, astronomy. That is the, the telescopes and now the space shuttles and all the things that we have, even kind of more so. The word of God is even more important. And so to kind of to think about knowing God, that becomes the primary vocation, as we may say. Here, kind of thinking on this with Terry Johnson, again, pastor in Savannah, Georgia, he quotes John 17:3, that Jesus came to have eternal life. And so he says, after quoting John 17, 3, Jesus provides with us a summary of his mission. He came that we might have eternal life. What is eternal life? To know God. So how important is theology? Theology is vastly important. To know God is to have eternal life. Philippians 3, 18 he, after quoting this, let me read this one. Here, Paul is talking about his Jewishness and the rubble, the rubbish it is. He says in 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the, suppressing, the suppress, surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Terry Johnson goes on, the Apostle Paul reduces the whole Christian religion to one indispensable thing. What must be kept, though he lost all, all else, in comparison with that which he does count all things as rubbish, it is the suppress, surpassing worth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Theology, understanding theology, is worth more than anything else. He doesn't stop there. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, talking about boasting 
and thinking through what the people are boasting about. And he says, chapter 9, verse 23. So I keep flipping across it. Jeremiah writes, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, not let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practice steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What is the one thing we're supposed to boast in? Knowing and understanding God. That's what Terry Johnson brings to us. And that's so important when we think about this downslide of theology. And we talk about theology a lot on G220. And that's because it's important. That our kind of primary vocation as God's people is to know God. And not just kind of in general, having facts, but that there is knowing about God and the facts, which are good, but there is then knowing God. And to get to knowing God, Terry Johnson mentioned, that we first need to know about God. And there is a, a movement from knowing facts about God to knowing about Him. He says, knowing God begins with knowing about God. Knowing God, however, is much more than merely knowing about God. Knowing about God is indispensable, yet mere knowledge, the theoretical knowledge, speculative knowledge, mental data is inadequate. Our goal is experiential knowledge, personal knowledge. This is where faith comes in. That our studying of theology and to know God produces in us faith in God. And seeing God work as his providence is played out before our eyes day to day. Again, to know God is to know that his nearness is our good and desires everything else beyond him. It is to taste and see, that is to know firsthand experience, that, that he's good. And so when we think about just this importance of theology, it plays into a practical aspect. A lot of the Puritans and others have acknowledged that there's this kind of movement from theology entering our head as head knowledge, knowing about God, into our heart, knowing knowing God, knowing his nearness, the experiential, knowing he is good that he's just and how that plays and then expressed in our hands and our doing, how we pray, how we act. And all of this matters. And that is why we need to, as Christians, not just read our Bibles, which is good. That's where we need to start. But we need to know theology. 
I mean, to, to think about it, Bavink helps us. If God is not knowable, did not reveal himself, or does not exist, not only dogmatics or theology, but religion itself collapse, for it is built on the knowledge of God. Thus, dogmatics is, and can only exist as, the scientific system of knowing of the knowledge of God. More precisely, and from a Christian viewpoint, dogmatics is the knowledge that God has revealed in his word to the church concerning himself and all creatures as they stand in relation to him. God has revealed himself. God has shown himself in the scriptures that we can study and to know. And the, the even to think about more deeply about knowing God, again, Terry Johnson brings this all to the point that the attributes of God, which is the book that this is coming from, the, the identity and attributes of God, the attributes of God are most clearly seen in the person and work of Christ. When God becomes flesh and dwelt among us, the true knowledge of God is to be found only in Christ. And later on, he says, as we have already hinted, as we have hinted already, the Christian life is largely an intimate imitation of the communicable attributes of God most clearly seen in Christ. That is why we need theology. That's why Calvin is so adamant about us looking towards the heavens. This isn't mere head knowledge, though that's where it starts. But it comes out in our practical understanding of how we think the world works, how we interact with the world, how we deal with sinful people doing sinful things. How we understand the importance of evangelism. The importance of the church. All of these are wrapped up in our understanding of who God is. How he relates to us as his human beings. who, What he has called us to do. And that he has revealed himself, have made himself known, not only in nature but more specifically and better in the scripture that we can look and to think about him and to grow in holiness as we gaze upon the one who is holy. And this, I think, when we think about American Christianity, as I started this show with, when we we think about the the downplay in theology, and let's let's just let's face it, theology is always under attack. Either it's the downplay of it, or it's heresy, whatever it is, theology is under attack and always will be, 
Because theology is the knowledge of God. We, we don't like God in our natural estate as sinful human beings. But God shows his love for that, and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. God desires, I think in just another aspect, God desires us to know him. Why would God reveal himself if he doesn't want to be known? I mean, let's, it's, our deal is not that God is, is not unknowable. It's the fact that he wants us to know him and to love him, but we don't want to. Theology replaces those motives with a new heart by the Spirit, we can come into know God. As B.B. Warfield ends his article on the idea of systematic theology, he says, if such be the value and use of doctrine, the systematic theologian is preeminent a preacher of the gospel. And the end of his work is obvious, not merely the logical arrangement of the truths which come under his hand, but the moving of men through their, power, through their power to love God with all their hearts and their neighbors as themselves, to choose their portion with the Savior of their soul, to find and to hold him precious, and to recognize and yield the sweet influences of the Holy Spirit, whom he has sent with such truths as this, he will not dare to deal in a cold and merely scientific spirit, but will justly and necessarily permit its preciousness and its practical destination to be determined the spirit in which he handles it and to awaken the, the relential love with which alone he shall investigate its reciprocal relations. Continue on to finish. The student of systematic theology needs to be very sensitive, religious nature, and most thoroughly consecrate, consecrated heart, and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon him, such as will fill him with the spiritual discernment, without which all native intellect is vain. He needs not to be merely a student, not merely a thinker, not merely a systematizer, not merely a teacher. He needs to be a beloved disciple himself in the highest, truest, and holiest sense, a divine. That's the importance of theology. It's not just thinking about it and knowing all these great doctrines. It is to become a beloved disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about what it means to that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth that that worship is something that comes from deep inside of us. Our spirit is welled up and to worship God, but we just don't worship God any way we want to. We worship him in truth in who he is. And that's, the important parts of theology. And when churches downplay theology, when churches opt for a biblicism that is devoid from theology, 
which is kind of oxymoron, I know. That's what they say. Or even those who just reject that theology is for the ivory towers of academia. They miss it all. Theology is for the church. God has given us theology that the people of God may know him and to love him and to obey him. And he's given us this word. And when we look at the study, like Ligonier, when we see the mega churches and their pragmatic practices, it all stems when we don't understand God rightly. That we don't go to his word and to seek him. The study in Proverbs that we do is to help us to better understand the wisdom that we need. And why at G220 we emphasize the importance of the local church is because that is the means by which God has given to us to grow. Christian podcasts are good, but they're not the church. You can learn a lot from Christian podcasts. I've learned a lot from Christian podcasts. But God tells us to not forsake one another but to stir one each other up in love and good deeds. The word to come together as a church to learn about God. The Baptist Catechism talks about how it is especially the preaching of the word in which the Spirit uses to save souls through the effective means of the word. And that, as we mentioned earlier, that preaching is not just something a pastor does in in this realm this physical realm and like it's like a ted talk no it is hearing of god it is what the spirit uses to convict our hearts as a corporate together that we may see our sins and grow together as a church encouraging one another again onto love and good deeds So what is theology? Theology is knowing God and his relation to us as revealed in the word of God. And it's important because that is how we can know about God. And more importantly, that we can know God. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And the only way to know Jesus and to know the Father and to know the Spirit as triune is to know the Word as it's been revealed. God has given us all that we need to know. That is why theology is important. That is why we need it. We need to search for it. We should not downplay it because to know God is to have eternal life. So that has been G220 Radio for this evening. And thanks for listening. Hopefully 
you have something to think about in relation to what is theology, why it's important. It's fact is a science is something that is normal, that we can understand it and that we have the communication to, to see it and to deal with it. So you, if you want to listen to more, we have other episodes. Again, we're, a the, we talk about theology. This was just kind of dedicated to what is theology and to think about these more. We'll catch our other shows. We're always live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern time, YouTube and Facebook. Next week, we're going to talk about quiet quitting and a theology of work and to think about this kind of new phenomenon fad within corporate workplaces about kind of just doing your job. Is it biblical? Should we consider it? What does the Bible have to say about this? Um, this is a topic I pitched to see if my wife would think it would be a good one. She said, yes, so we're going to do it. I'm going to think about even some stuff that I've read at work kind of related to this idea, but ultimately what does God have to say about work? How we, and how does it impact our understanding of quiet quitting? What is biblical about it? What is not biblical? So join us next week for that episode. It should be, a, a, I'm really excited about that episode. Hopefully um, that will be helpful and to think about kind of something a little bit more current. current. I know we don't, G20, we don't kind of dabble in currency and news and stuff like that. So it's a little bit more current. Hope you join us again. If not, you can always catch our podcast on Podbean. It's podbean.com forward slash G220 radio. So you can check episodes out there. And we just encourage you to watch others. And I do want to thank Jason for comments. I didn't read other ones that he post because um, it's kind of not that I don't want to. Um, it was a little bit off kind of dealing with natural theology and natural revelation. I think those are topics that need to be discussed. I know there's a big deal with the Twitter sphere and James White and Greg Carter, Craig Carter, and, you know, um, all the others with it. It's fascinating. I want to know more. I should know more. So I do want to thank Jason. And if you have any other comments for or shows, just drop us a line. And we'll try to respond. Ricky most likely will respond. And if you have any shows, ideas, or as you see on the screen, and for audio listeners, you can email us at g20radio at gmail.com. And we thank you for supporting us and just watching. And we'll see you next week here at G220 Radio. God bless.